Welcome to the Bureau Briefing, a podcast by the Bureau of Digital, an organization devoted to giving digital professionals the support system they never had. Each episode, we're going to talk to a member of our community doing awesome, inspiring things. Now for your host, Carl Smith. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Bureau Briefing. With us today, we have a serial entrepreneur. This guy succeeds where other people say, (laughs) shit ain't going to work. It's a good friend of mine who I haven't seen in years, Mr. Jason Zook. How's it going, Jason? Hey, Carl. Thanks thanks for having me. By the way, I was just thinking, we've known each other for quite a while. We have. Like, yeah. I, I think even back to like 2006, like before, like right when my entrepreneurial journey started before all the weird stuff, like that was just like, I co-owned a design firm with Dennis Eusebio and we met you through EngineWorks being so crazy awesome. And we were like, oh, you guys are amazing. And you had little meetups that you guys did. And I remember that as we started talking, like that's a long time ago in the internet. <laughs> it was a long time ago. You know, the reason those meetups were so popular, we learned it from Bugs Bunny right? It's free beer. If you put they, a sign out that says free beer, suddenly you're really popular. Everyone shows up and they're like, what's going on? This has got to be cool. It's Now everyone does the free beer thing though. Yeah. You know, it's free beer in the office and foosball. Yeah. That's why we shut down. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you, free that's beer what you competition. have to do. Yeah, that's what you have to it's, do. That's too much. Now, for those that don't know, and we don't have to get into the whole story because there's like a thousand people who've <laughs> interviewed you about this, but, but you decided one day that you were going to wear t-shirts of brands and get them to pay you for it. So, I mean, this is just one of those things for me. It's like one in a, a long line of ideas that you had where I'd be like, dude, get a job. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but then it worked. So to talk about that just a little bit. Yeah. So that design company that I had was going swimmingly well. I mean, we were you know getting to our, I think it was our second year, quarter of a million dollars in revenue, which was fantastic. We were three people. That's amazing. So, yeah, it was great. And we started from literally nothing. Um, and, and everything was going fine. Like I shouldn't have changed my course, but I just kind of this like entrepreneurial itch was nagging at me to do my own thing. You know, thought and theory wasn't my own thing. I was a part of someone else's. And a lot of our clients have been asking us about social media. So this is 2007. Like we're going back in the, the time machine here. So Twitter wasn't, wasn't very big at all. Like you were just, it was you and like Jack Dorsey. That was it. Um, and <laughs> like you, you, me and Jack Dorsey were the only people talking about the sandwiches we were making. Um, Facebook was closed. So you had to have like a college address to even use it. I didn't even have an account. So I just saw all these things and our clients were asking uh, me about them. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Hmm, I wonder if like, I don't know, someone could be the voice of these companies on social media, interacting with these few people that are here. I mean, there were a lot of people, but at the time, not a lot. And one day I woke up and I was standing in my closet and I was looking at all these shirts that had all these other companies' logos on them that I felt like an idiot at that moment going, like, why am I wearing this company's logo every day and I paid them? This is ridiculous. Like, this this could be the avenue. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I had web web design company behind me that could easily churn out an awesome website build out this calendar, which is how I sold the first year and came up with this unique pricing structure of a dollar on the first day, $2 on the second day, $3 on the third day, um, which I've now just coined as called bump sale. And yeah, I mean, it took off. No one bought on the first day. <laughs> 12 people showed up on the website. My hopes and dreams were completely crushed in the first 24 hours. And I was an overnight success. You know, I just, I was set from there, Carl. Um, Robin Leach was calling, you know, just all the interviews of all the talk oh, shows. Wow, you were showing your age, sir. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Does anybody, I think, I don't know. You get it. So that's all I care about. It's all that matters. Um, 
Yeah, so really, and this has been the the repetitive path now with all of my crazy ideas since then, is then I just hunkered down and did the work. And the work is the unsexy stuff that people glaze over when you start talking about it, but it's emailing all my friends and family and not pitching them to buy, but just saying like, hey, Carl, do you know anybody who would maybe care about this crazy idea? And a lot of people don't write back they don't care. They don't know anybody. But a, a few people started to recommend some people. A few people started to say, yeah, this is kind of neat. A few people started to buy. And, you know, lo and behold, a couple months into that idea launching, I had sold six months of that first year of I Rear Shirt. And now I had this like thing ahead of me that I didn't even know what it would be. And I had to wear all these shirts every day, you know, and the idea was I would promote a company, make a YouTube video, host a live video show, talk to people on social media and just kind of talk about my weird life. And I thought maybe people would watch. And, you know, it went from 12 people on that first day, which, by the way, was like Dennis, my co-founder of, you know, the the design company, uh, our developer, Jeff, my mom, my grandmother, my girlfriend at the time, me on like four different browsers. I'm not Uh, even going to claim to have swung by. No, no, (laughs) no. You weren't there. You weren't there on day one. Uh, No one was. You know, my grandmother was. Uh, But yeah, so it was 12 people on that first day. And then halfway through the first year in 2009, when this started, 10,000 people were showing up every day for some reason to look at what shirt I was wearing. And that was kind of the moment I knew like, wow, I I actually did one of those ideas when people go, I wish I'd thought of that. Or like, oh, why didn't I think of that? You know, like I had one of those on my hand, kind of like million dollar homepage or any of these other things. And yeah, it was just a, it was a really crazy experience. You know, the, the long and short of it is that it did over a million dollars in revenue. I scaled the company up to eight people by the third year. I worked with a bunch of fortune 20 brands, not even fortune 100, um, and just worked with so many awesome people and just told so many cool stories every day. But I really ran myself ragged by doing this. Uh, I got myself into debt because I had no clue how to run a business. I didn't even understand like payroll and things. You know, the calendar pricing was great. But imagine the first couple months of the year, it's pretty lean on income. (laughs) What wasn't lean was the salaries that I was paying people to also wear shirts for me and run this business. So uh, yeah, I got into some debt. And after five years, I actually shut it down when it was still making money. But I just realized it wasn't sustainable. It grabbed its moment in time. It was time for me to just do something else and not just be kind of a one trick pony and then go get a job in marketing for some other company to really see, like you said, to open this, like, could I be a serial entrepreneur and come up with other ideas to do other things? And I think that's the key is knowing when to shift, right? Yeah. When, when did, when to let the great idea that you had die and, and, or, or, you know, put it gently to rest. It doesn't have to be a cruel, cruel death, but I always thought the calendar Mm-hmm. was the great idea. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like the, the shirt was the execution. For and, sure. you know, the other thing is, and the way you described it, and I think this is true of all of your endeavors, the real product is not even you. It's you as a force of nature. Yeah. Like refusing to let that idea not work. Yeah. And, and that was the thing that always impressed me. I never told you because I didn't want you to get like big head <laughs> and all that crap. But no, it was and, – and so I remember having a conversation with Zay Frank. This would have been probably two or three years in to when he was doing his show. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of said, you know what? I hate that show. Yep, yep, yep. And I was like, what? He was like, it, it's three minutes every day. It doesn't matter if I'm hungover or I'm sick or I'm just in a bad mood. It's like I have to do that. And if I don't do it, it's not going to And then later he realized it wasn't the show. You know, it was him. And, and, and you had the same thing. Now, the, 
the book, right? Yeah. You, you decide after uh, shutting down I Wear Your Shirt that you're going to write a book and you're going to have an ad on every page. Yep. And you just, you did it. I, yeah. I mean, I'm, we were sitting at um, the Biscuit Place here in town, yeah. right? Maple Street. And, uh, Maple Street. There you go. Yep. And I live here and you're in San Diego now and I still don't know the name of the damn place. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we sat there and you were telling me and I was like, well, it goes against all of uh, all my instincts. So congratulations. You got another hit on your hands. <laughs> And you mentioned, I mean, a great phrase, which is like a force of nature, right? Like I made those sponsorships happen by sending almost 3,000 emails. Literally, I counted. I kept track because I wanted to know. I didn't keep track during I Wear Your Shirt, and I wish I had because I'm sure I Wear Your Shirt, I sent 20,000 emails. No joke. And that was like me pitching companies, whether I'd worked with them or not, or people emailing me because they heard about this crazy idea of getting a book sponsored and every page having a little blurb on the bottom. And, and I, I had to do the work. Like I had to show up. It wasn't just create this beautiful website, which the website was great and have this cool idea where you could sponsor pages in a book and get your message in there. Like all that stuff is good. But if, if you're not promoting it, if you're not putting it in front of people, people are just going to throw money at you because you have a good idea. Like that doesn't actually happen. And if it does, it's an extremely rare case with someone who has a track record where people are then willing to continue to support them, which I kind of have earned a little bit, but even still, it still takes a lot of work to do that. So yeah, pulling that book off was a, a sheer force of nature. It took five months to land all 204 of those sponsors. I earned every bit of the $75,000 that I made before ever writing a single word for that book. That's because, the thing, man. Yeah, you didn't have a book. Yeah, You're I didn't like, have no, anything. Pay me while I'm writing the book, if you don't mind. And I'm, because I've got friends. Okay, I, I know some people. They're not necessarily friends, but they've got books. They don't make money off the book. Yep. They get invited to speak because of the book, or they might get a you know a higher uh, hourly rate or whatever because of the book. But you got paid before you wrote the book. Ugh. Yeah. Well, and here's so, I so, like you. I don't. I'm, I'm, I think I like you, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll make you even more angry. So uh, this <laughs> past year, so I'm working on my second book. It's actually pretty much completely written. Um, I would say it is completely written, but you know, no book is really ever finished until it's published. Um, so I I came up with this idea that I wanted to write the book publicly. So I wanted to do what no author wants to do, which is just share my shitty first draft and just write. But I didn't want to just do it in a Google Doc. I didn't want to do it on Medium because I'd done a journal thing like that before. So I had a developer whip up this basically live editor where you could watch me write. You, oh, that, shit. Was, that was the site. It was watchmewrite.co. There was a little chat on the right that I couldn't see while I was writing. That was very intentional. Oh, man. And so for two weeks, because that's how long it took me to write my first book, first draft of the first book, I just showed up and I wrote every day for hours. And then I would kind of like check in on the chat and... Thousands of people watched. I had a bunch of donations and I made $20,000 with sponsorships for people just watching me write the first draft of the book. Now, you know, not a lot of people have the balls to do that. A lot of people were, are afraid to show their, their ugly, you know, ugly duckling version of the thing they're working on, but we all have that. And, and that gives a lot of people, you know, this whole new trust factor that they can't get when you just show them the finished shiny product. So, you know, and so here's the thing, like, let's, let's keep going on, on this crazy book. So the book is going to be titled do it differently. The it's the second kind of chapter of my life as an entrepreneur with all the things I've learned, all the lessons, all the stories. And what I want to do now so later this year, and you're the this is the first place I've actually talked about this, is I want to create this site uh, that's like a call out to book publishers saying, here is my book. 
Here's what the book is about. It's completely finished. You can't touch it. You can't change it, but you can give me a check to own a part of it. And then you can have it under your publishing house. And while that sounds like just a douche move, like it just sounds like, why would anybody do that? It's a great story for that publisher because that publisher now gets the notoriety of like, why would you do this? You know, but you're getting someone who has an established track record of making these things happen and work. And and I know this book is going to do decently because my first book sold somewhere around 20,000 total copies so far. And, and that was just like, it just did, you know, like now I actually know what I'm doing. I'm a better writer. I have a lot more stories. I have a lot more things. I have a bigger audience. Like I know it's going to do as well or better. And so it's kind of like a built-in win for, for this company. So, you know, it's just, I, I like to have fun with this stuff and I like to get paid before things actually happen. Cause I think that's just a really unique thing that so many people are afraid to do. And I really challenge myself with the, that stuff. Okay. So force of nature, once you have the idea, you just have to power through. Yep. And then get paid before you start. And I think that everyone can do that. Like, I, I really do. Like, I believe that everyone should test the assumption of like, oh, no one's going to pay for this. Who is telling you that? You know, even if it's someone who has done someone something similar, it doesn't matter. You have your own unique circumstances, situations, stories, experiences. I firmly believe in that. So sorry to cut you off, but I wanted to just. No, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm getting used to it. But, <laughs> you know, to that point. In the in the early days of the web, or actually the the mid to early days, uh, you know, we everybody was doing 50-50, right? You get fifty percent up front, fifty percent at the end, or some people were doing thirds. Electric pulp in South Dakota, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, they did ninety ten. Nice, <laughs> I love that. It was amazing, and, and it was why like, not right? Like you don't get what you don't ask for. That's been a motto for me for years now. But if you don't ask for it, you're not going to get it. So at least try. Exactly. You just try. And that was the thing. And, and I remember I was talking with Aaron and, and uh, Aaron Mintley, who's one of the founders there. And they had Guy Kawasaki. They were doing work with him. And Guy was promoting them all over the place. And they gotten really popular. And anybody that showed up that they weren't really sure about, or if they were really busy and they were just going to iterate on their process and iterate on their, their invoicing, everything, they just one day they tried 9010 and that shit worked. <laughs> yeah. And then from there on, it was like, oh, they're the agency. You got to pay almost all up front. Like, okay, well, we know that. Like, that's, we just expect Exactly. That. But that, but that totally worked for them, right? Yep. Okay. So, and I know there's a real story behind selling your last name. Because I always knew you as Jason Sadler. Yes. Right. And then you were Jason, was it headsets.com? Yep. Good memory. How do I remember that? I did not, trust me, <laughs> that, I did not prepare. Like everybody knows. It's worth Carl. it. It was worth the spend for them if you can remember it. Like that, you know, oh, yeah. that in itself proves it. And, and I've totally probably went to the website just to see who was willing to give you money for it. But so, so talk about that. So now that happened before the book, right? Before the first yes. book. Yeah. So that happened uh, in the last year of I Wear Your Shirt, kind of as, as I was shuttering things down. I was just looking for some way to really honestly get cash, you know, because cash flow was running super low. I was, you know, accruing more debt for the business. And I was just like, I have to do something. Um, and maybe kind of one last ditch effort to try and get attention for I Wear Your Shirt. You know, I thought maybe the, the notoriety of that would help that business. Um, yeah, so I have had three last names prior to headsets.com. So I had Sadler, I had two other last names before that. So, you know, I unfortunately didn't have one name to rule them all my entire life. So for me, my last name meant nothing. And for a lot of people, it's hard for them to understand that because they've had the same last name. So yeah, well, yeah. And it's just, it's easy, right? Like you just, you're comfortable with it. You've had it forever. 
So when this idea came to me, um, it actually was sparked by my mom going through a divorce. And, you know, I I wasn't attached to that last name Sadler at all. And the divorce wasn't a great situation. And I just offhandedly made a joke to her that like, well, I'm going to divorce, you know, this guy too. I don't want his last name. But then what do you do? You know, like, really, what do you do to pick a last name if you don't have another one as a as a grown male and even as a grown female? Like, where do you pick one? And so I I looked at like my grandparents last name and I was like, oh, you know, it's okay. Like, I love them, but it's not really very exciting to me. And it just hit me like this could be fun. This could be the next iteration of like all the sponsored things I had done up to that point, because there had been a bunch of other ones through I Rear Shirt. So I was like, why not sell my last name? The domain buymylastname.com was available. That's always a good sign. Maybe not a good sign. I don't know. Um, I'm very literal with my domains. I wear your shirt, buy my last name, sponsor my book. Like there's a thread here. Um, and and yeah, so I, I just had this website built. Uh, I wanted to do it kind of like an eBay style auction where it started at $0. It went for 30 days and then wherever it ended, it ended. And I had some terms in there, like no porn company was going to buy my name. Like I had last right of refusal. Um, and so I launched it. And my my goal in my mind was like, if I get $10,000 for this, it will be it will be crazy. Like that's, that that's insane. insane. I mean, it yeah. sounds First 24 hours, the bidding ends at $33,000 at the end of the first day. 33,000. I, I remember staring at my screen just being like, I don't even understand this. Like you think, <laughs> I, you think everyone else is going, what is going on? And it's, I totally had it wrong. I thought for some reason that you ended up getting something like twenty or twenty five thousand, yeah. but in the first day it was over thirty. Yep, it ended at forty five five at the end of it to headsets.com. And funny enough, they called me because my phone number, like the last every time you bid, you would get my phone number in case you had questions or whatever. And they called me like five minutes before the auction ended. It was the the chief marketing officer, and he was like, "Hey, like literally, I pick up the phone because I just assumed it was you know someone related to it." And I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello. He's like, Jason, my name is Matt, headsets.com. I'm the marketing officer. I'm $5,000 over my budget that I was allowed to spend for this. Please tell me you're not going to screw us over. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a real person. I'm not going to screw you over. He's like, all right, bye. I got to go bid again. <laughs> and so he like hangs up. He's the final bidder. And, you know, so you mentioned you went to the website or you checked it out or you even remembered it. Oh, yeah. And the no, first, I, I was blown away. In the first quarter after my last name had had sold, and so I went on, I mean, all the news outlets, CNN, Fox and Friends, Good Morning America, blah, blah, blah. Um, they saw an increase in sales of a quarter of a million dollars from all the Whoa. press and an earned media of like $6 million in earned media. That And, and they, you know, they understand all that stuff. So they were like, okay, we just spent forty-five five to get $6 million in earned media and an increase in sales of $250,000, which, you know, you can't. 100% attribute just to me, but there's a really good correlation in timing there. And so, yeah, they were really happy. It was a super unique experience to live as jasonheadsets.com for one year. Um, checking into hotels was the worst because they'd be like, what's the reservation in her? And I go, headsets.com. And they go, no, not your business name. I'm like, no, no, that's my last name. And they're like, wait, what? And then it was just like 10 minutes to check in. And I was always apologizing to people behind me and having to show my ID. And yeah, it was, well, you got it was your a little license bit of a mess. Changed. That was when it blew my mind. When you got your driver's I, license I go changed. all the way. Listen, force of nature, right? Like I don't half-ass these things. It, you know, I'm going all the way with all this stuff. The only thing I didn't do was my passport because I was just like, I don't want to mess with this and I'm traveling. Like, you know, many last names on the record could be weird. So I skipped any international travel for two years and then changed it to now my final last name, which is Zook. And, and where did that name come from? 
So that name actually came from my great grandfather, who, funny enough, was an entrepreneur, uh, had his own power company back in the like 50s, 60s, 70s, won the Nikolai Tesla Award for his work in the power industry in the 70s. Whoa. And I did not know this until my grandmother sat me down after I sold my first name the first time, maybe as a lecture, maybe just to share, uh, like that we had, you know, similar kind of tendencies and ideas and thoughts and in, in kind of challenging convention. Um, and that really made me excited because his last name passed with him. It didn't get carried on. And so I said, well, this is the name I want to carry forward. So it's just a really cool way to pay homage to my great grandfather and to, you know, kind of carry that lineage forward where it, it kind of stopped. That's amazing. And congratulations. Because I thought you were going to say, ah, I like the sound of it. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it, it was, it's a, it's a great, it's a great story, you know, and I, I love that part of it too. And I also feel like so many of these things happen, you know, because of other things lining up, right? Like I wouldn't have sold my last name had I not done I Re Your Shirt. You know, I wouldn't have written my book had I not done I Re Your Shirt. And, and so I'm really grateful for all of these things happening, even if they were negative experiences, because whether they're negative or positive, they still lead you forward in some direction that you can learn from or move on from. And, and that's just something you learn with age and wisdom, as I'm sure you know extremely well. Um, you know, all those experiences, I'm just so zen about it all these days. Like, it just anything that goes wrong, I'm like, oh, whatever. Like, I'm going to learn something from this. Like, it's not going to matter. Like, yeah, it's, it's so funny. true. We could it's probably so spend an entire episode talking about the one million shirts thing that we did kind of together. Oh. Which had a whole nasty fallout. But, you know, it's interesting. In that moment of that thing, and we can save everybody the long story of it, but it was a nonprofit that just got smashed. Um, but in that whole situation, like, I just learned so many life lessons that I still carry forward with me. And it's unfortunate when you're in the moment, but it's so nice looking back to have that perspective to go, well, now I've learned all this stuff. Like, I'm, I'm a better person. I'm a better business owner. I'm a better, um, you know, probably... Advocate for different type of nonprofits. Now that I know all the things that I do know, and when people come to me, I'm like, "Hey, no, you should read this or you should check this out." I have some knowledge that I never would have had before, experience I never would have had. It's so true, and that that experience actually became relevant again for me last week. Whoa, um, yeah, that's fun. We, well, so we're working on a diversity scholarship for bureau events, right? Cool. Well, we, we get everything written up. We've got uh, our first sponsor who doesn't want to be mentioned. And, they, they, you know, they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart. And I <laughs> send everything to the lawyer. He goes, well, we do have one problem. And I'm like, what? He goes, this violates almost every discrimination law in the books. Oh, oh, oh no <laughs> because good. Because if you're trying to target marginalized or underrepresented people, you are by definition discriminating. Against yeah. everybody else. And so I was like, okay, well, and he's a, he's an amazing lawyer and a good friend. And he's like, I'll get you to yes. Just give me a couple of weeks. Wow. <laughs> like, that's, Thanks. that's crazy. Yeah. And you know, it's again, like those things just happen and you can be super upset about them or whatever, but you're not in control. So what does it matter? You know? And, and that's, I don't know, that's been a big thing for me that I've learned over the years and I'm, I'm very grateful to have had those experiences as much as they sucked. Uh, they feel really good these days to just have that knowledge. Well, and you've, you've built on again and again, that initial wave of success with I wear your shirt, where you ended up on CNN and Fox and all these outlets, <clears throat> you always came back and gave them another story. You always yep. gave them something else. So what are you working on now? Yeah. So funny enough, I have, I wouldn't say given up on press, but I just don't care anymore because I've done it all. You know, like it's kind of like when you, 
if you're a designer and you've designed a certain way forever, you know, like maybe you did all the flat designs or all the gradient designs, you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, it doesn't serve me as much as it gets you accolades or clients. You know, for me, that's the press thing. Like, I just don't care anymore. I don't want to talk to any more pundits or people who sit behind green screens all day and just yell. Um, but I do have this, this crazy cool idea that's called Buy Our Future, where my wife and I have teamed up. We've now made a ton of different things from online courses to books to I have a couple pieces of software. And pretty much everything helps people do something better that they're already doing, whether it's with building an online business or teaching some skill that they have, um, you know, or just organizing their business better as online business owners. And Buy Our Future is this really unique packaging of everything we've both made in one thing. And if people buy it, they get access to this really cool community of almost 400 people and anything we make in the future at no extra charge. So it's like my my one-time lifetime access purchase. Um, and I just love it because it takes all the worry and headache for me out of promoting anything I create that's new. And instead just saying like, here's a value add to buy our future. So if you want to buy it, this is the way to get all of the things. And it's incredibly affordable for what you get. Uh, we love it. We're starting to come up with a, a system for selling it kind of ongoing. It's been a yearly or annual, whichever you want to say, uh, opening for it. And now we're kind of doing it a little bit more ongoing that we have a good system in place for it. Uh, we just love it. And the community is absolutely fantastic. We last asked for testimonials before the last launch and 84 people wrote thorough testimonials. And I was like, oh, I think we have something on our hands here because that never happens. No, that's amazing. Yeah. So it's just really cool. It's fun. I'm so glad you were able to join us today. And I got to tell you, I needed this conversation. I I've been having a really good week, but a really like busy week. And you just made me feel so good just hearing your stories and knowing that if I try hard enough, any idea can be successful. And any idea is better than the ideas I have. <laughs> and you can be a force of, force of nature with any of your own. And, and yes, I'm also glad that we got to rekindle our Maple Street Biscuit memories. That was fun as well. <laughs> when Taco Lou misses you. Oh, man, I miss that place so much. You have to go I say hi San to Don. Diego has no tacos. I know. No, no, no Taco Lou, though. Good tacos, but no tacos. <laughs> well, do you have any uh, parting words of wisdom for all the digital professionals out there listening? No, I think if anything, it's just like, be willing to ask. You don't get what you don't ask for. Be willing to just put stuff out into the world. The more things you create, the more opportunities come your way. And just don't take no for an answer. If you really want to do something, if you're willing to chase down some idea or dream, be the force of nature to make it happen. And it will happen one way or another. Well, and you're living proof of that. So everybody listening, do as the man says. And we'll talk to you later. <laughs>